You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck. Podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football, presented by Sport Buff. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. Um, are you as tired of these dreary home games <laughs> this year as, as I am? I mean, yes, it was nice to get a win, but man, it rained again. I, f- I kind of feel bad, sorry, not sorry for people that were sitting out in the rain. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of fortunate i mean i'm very thankful that uh, we've got the tickets that we do because yeah even though the, the inclement weather has really affected I, I think the overall attendance of the games like we're fine like yeah. we, we're protected from the elements so i'm like we per- I, I don't think you and i really care whether it rains or not but at the same time i can see how it'd be tough for people that are out there and i, I had to laugh i, I mean give them credit the, the folks that were there this past saturday they put on their ponchos they had their you know heavy coats on and everything and they, they they stuck through this but yeah it's still not fun to think about no no it's not and considering that we still have the home finale coming up this friday and which will be the alouettes the, the latest and the alouettes have ever had a home finale mm. in their history you know it, yeah they certainly played games in november but usually it's like early november and even then well, it's you, still yeah like, usually we're playoffs usually yeah. usually we're coming up on uh on eastern western uh, uh, finals weekend. Mm-hmm. Actually, and you think about it, I think it was yesterday, uh, November 16th, was the five or six year anniversary of the last Alouette's playoff win at home, which was that uh, absolute beatdown of the BC Lions back in 2014. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, th- this is normally playoff time. Like, we're literally in the playoffs mm-hmm. talking by, by this point of the year, but everything was, everything's later this year, so that's just, uh, yeah, just another interesting wrinkle yeah but it's an, it, it's an interesting wrinkle considering you know there's the story about with uh in a gazette this week with uh president marcicini which we'll talk about because you know both you and i are bringing up good points about when the games are being held the crowd that is showing up and obviously we're being affected more by weather this year because of how it was stacked i didn't mind having all this stacked you know all these stacked home games in the latter half of the season but a Friday at seven thirty, I understand TSN is controlling, you know, is basically the controlling interest on, in the matchups and stuff like that. I, I guess the matchups, but but yeah, come on. I mean, thank God this game is actually going to mean something because mm-hmm. if it did not, we, you know, you and I have sat through games before in the past where it's been garbage time basically because everybody's everything's been dealt with, you know. And yeah. it's kind of kind of like last night's uh, uh, makeup, you know, COVID makeup game between the Elks and, and Toronto. Yeah, I mean, it looked and played like a preseason game, essentially. And oh, well, yeah, when you have 17, I saw this, it's like 17 placed on the in, quote unquote injured list and 18 players taken either from practice roster or our backups are starting. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's brutal. I mean, it's just one of those games. Like, there's a big part of me has to. Well, I guess not really wonder because yeah, the, the Toronto Argos, Argonauts are not going to be playing until December fifth. Now, I know. 
So there's, uh, uh, you don't want to, it's way too soon to arrest people, but at the same time, you don't necessarily want to arrest people either. It, it's, it's such a weird dynamic to have to go through. And I guess a good problem to have, especially if you're Argos, because that means, well, you're going to the Eastern final. So yeah, but it'll also be three weeks. That's it. I mean, like that's a, that's still a lot of time and you can't really game plan for anybody because you don't know who you're going to face. The only thing you, you're certain of is, okay, the game's being played in our barn. That's it. And it's one of these two, one of these two teams. Yep. But obviously, we're not, we're not, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. We still have a have have something to play for this weekend, which I'm I'm hoping, you know, we we do what we need to do, and then obviously Saskatchewan starts who they need to start. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that. The game this week, you know, the Alouettes, they, uh, uh, the you know, the game was okay. I mean, uh, the, the Owls did win 28-14 but before 12,605. And that seemed, I would say that seemed pretty accurate um, considering the weather, uh, considering finally, it was nice having a, a a day game, especially a one o'clock game. I'm so glad this game wasn't at four because mm-hmm. um, we actually got out there technically when it was still daylight. So Technically, but not long after. Like even the drive home, I'm like, it, it just pretty much turned black. I'm like, it just kind of hit me while I was driving home. Like, wow. In a perfect, well, I don't want to say perfect world, but in a normal world, and even that's kind of a, a nice no- thing to say, but. In a normal <laughs> world where Cliffy drives home when it's really sunny outside. Yeah. Um, the I, fact that, yeah, like we, this is when we should have been actually arriving and watching the game as opposed to going home true. from it. Yeah, it's it's true, just true. bizarre, but Yeah. That, no, it, it was very. It's very, it was very good thing that they switched it to uh, a one o'clock start time versus a four o'clock start time for so many reasons. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. Obviously, I'm glad they did. Um, you know, uh, beat the bombers, and as it sets up this week's game, where the Alouettes need to win um, versus Ottawa, and hope for a Saskatchewan win so the Alouettes can host the Eastern semifinal next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, the game itself. I mean, it was. You know, it was really two plays that most people will remember from this game because, you know, I, you know, um, you know, William Stanbeck had an okay game, but, you know, Trevor Harris had an okay game, which we're going to be talking about, or maybe people think, think differently, but it's those two touchdown catches by Eugene Lewis. Mm-hmm. Just each of them were just, you know, the toe tap one, even though it was at the side of the end zone, and uh, it kind of reminded me of the S.J. Green catch way back when, you know, on that Canada Day game in uh, in Regina. Kind of reminded me on, on that one. It was a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his, you know, uh, corner, you know, go to the, you know, go to the, go to the pylon and get down type of thing at his second <laughs> touchdown. To me, that really was the, the most memorable stuff of the game itself. Um, I, I don't know what, if you, a little bit more stood out for you than just that, but, um, to me, that's really what stood out. Well, the one like they were very nice touchdowns. Don't get me wrong, and also the touchdown by Reggie White Jr., who also too had a little toe tap. That's true uh, too. Just, just barely. So I mean, like it was presence of mind on his part to be able to get in. So oh, so same thing, same thing, same thing with Gino uh, on his first touchdown. Same exact thing, man. Yep. No, that's it. I mean, like th- these are receivers that obviously knew they understood the assignment. They had to. You know, make sure they stayed in balance and they, you know, whether they had to contort their bodies in order to do so or just, as I said, had the presence of mind just to put your feet down just at the right moment, just mm-hmm. before you hit that white line for it to count. But they did it. So so props to those guys. I mean, again, the, Gino shouldn't be a surprise because that's that's just what he does is score touchdowns all day long. Uh, Reggie White Jr., 
he's he's starting to come along really nicely and it's starting to become a nice little a nice little surprise for the Alouettes. So I'm I'm very happy to see that. As far as really outstanding play, got to go with the gadget play that uh, happened. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, too. like it wasn't enough that Gino was catching passes; he actually had to make them as well. Like he had to throw a pass too. Like, mm-hmm. and I laugh because I'm sitting there. Like my first thought was when I saw Harris take the snap and he threw directly to the side. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, and then all of a sudden. You watch Gino heave it downfield, I'm like oh my goodness, and then Quan Bray, Quan what Bra- concentration! Yeah, Qu- yeah, Quan did his his best Gino uh, impression by going up to get, getting the ball at the high spot. So, oh my, yeah, that, that was just outstanding. And everybody, everybody got got up off their feet. Like it just you caught literally everybody napping at that point. Like just an absolute thing of beauty. Like the, the, like when the gadget plays executed properly. There are a few things better. Maybe a flea flicker would flea flicker would be better, but that was close. It was close. That was damn close. It was, yeah, it was damn <laughs> close to being a flea flicker. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, as I said, I mean you know, Trevor Harris. I mean, he was eighteen to twenty five, hundred and forty, only one hundred and forty four yards, three TDs. You know, Eugene Lewis, one of one for thirty five. At at that point, he actually had more yards than uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers starter Sean McGuire did. So, <laughs> um, before they went was, on, before was, they went on their two play two play scoring drive, but uh, and, and let's not forget that was through three plus quarters of of action for Sean McGuire. Yeah, exactly. That those thirty one yards. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! I just saw his his, his uh, efficiency rating for McGuire was nine point nine. i just noticed that now oh my god that's it was it was was a rough day for the young men (laughs) yeah uh stand back 18 carries 65 yards 3.6 yards it's just the the, i still think that there are some issues with the with the o-line especially with all the um injuries still um he really did not have a good day at all um Quan Bray, 41 yards on two receptions. Uh, Jake Winnicky, two uh, 20 yards, two receptions. Uh, Stambeck got into it, 24 yards on a on a catch. Uh, Christophe Normand had, had a catch for a single yard. Uh, Spencer Moore got into it, too. Uh, catch for four yards. Uh, Reggie White, Jr., uh, six catches, 38 yards. And Gino, six for 51 and two TDs. Um, but, you know, it's, hey, you know, it. They played just well enough, in my opinion. I think there were still some some pretty good lulls in this game where it was like, "Oi, um, you know, this is this wasn't the team that Toronto brought last night, but it was like second game preseason roster, in my opinion." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and understandably, Winnipeg was not going to bring all of their big guns to Montreal. We understood that, especially to. They got their perfect home record. They sewed up the e- the Western Division a long time ago, so it was pretty obvious the B the B squad was going to come in and you know, essentially play this game because they had to. They were legally obligated to, and you know the effort showed. As simple as that. Yeah, I think it also I think it also showed the Blue Bombers brass that uh, Sean McGuire really needs a lot more seasoning because I think somebody brought up the point even though the Owls didn't sack him. Every time that they actually pressured him and got to him at, he, he threw a pick. Yep. Which equaled four. So. And as we talked about with Darren Bombing a couple of weeks ago, I mean, what's the plan if Zach Caleros goes down to injury? Like, well, you just saw what it is, and that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, heaven forbid something happens to Zach. Uh, well, again, I don't, I don't know if he's going to actually play this weekend versus Calgary Stampeders. 
because again, same thing with uh, like the Argos. The next game for the, the the Winnipeg Blue Bombers after this weekend is December fifth. That for would the be Western nuts. Final. A month, a month that they haven't played or that he wouldn't have played is nuts. Yeah. If that's the case, how. then Micah should needs to get his head checked. Well, and to me, it's all about having that plan B, right? I mean, it's, say what you will about the Alouettes, and you know, regardless of how you feel about Trevor Harris, at least the Alouettes knew enough to go out and get themselves a, a quality quarterback to, to to fill the role if yeah. if the need was there. And yeah. sure enough, turned out there was. So, I mean, like I said, we, you and I have our opinions about Trevor Harris, which we'll we'll talk about shortly. But I mean, at least the Alouettes had the presence of mind to go out and get someone like that. Whereas the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were like. No, we got we got Zach Claros. We're good. And what could happen? What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. And That's again, I'm I'm not putting down Sean McGuire. It's just like I said, this was kind of a less than ideal situation. Like you looking, it's easy to look back now, but you probably could have said like there's probably a couple of games where you probably could have put Sean McGuire in to get some actual reps so that he's not you know thrown into a situation. I don't want to say it's like cold, but doesn't at that the same sound time, familiar? Oh my God, Owls fans, oh. you've been around long enough, with, you know, especially with AC. That sounds so familiar. Doesn't it though? I mean, like I, I, again, we, we've seen how this we've seen how this story ends, but at the same time, the history lesson is there to be learned by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and one would think they would have sort of taken care of that before the trade deadline. But okay, listen, it is what it is. That's you know, that's it. I just hope for their sake that Zach Claros stays healthy because as long as they do. They've got a very, very, very good shot of winning and even repeating as Grey Cup champions. But if he goes down to injury, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to say. What I think is funny when you look at it, I mean, oh, by the way, props to the guys. I mean, four interceptions. Wasn't it technically four and a half? Um, <laughs> I do have half an interception. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think because, uh, no, I'm thinking of the game last night, actually. I'm thinking of the game last night. You know, it's like where you get one, then it's, then it's taken away by by a pen uh, by a challenge but well yeah yeah but the guy i mean like uh, greg reed uh Najee murray chris Aki, and uh ahmad thomas ahmad thomas yeah wow baby i mean Whew. yeah and, and, and Aki almost brought it to the house almost almost he did Najee murray too if the if he was able just to turn the corner just a little bit too he that that would have been the elowitz first score right there but yeah true I mean, you no, look like at the they, game itself, you would think that the out, you just look at the time of position itself, Cliff, and the Alouettes are completely dominated. I'm trying to remember the last time the Alouettes almost held the ball for 40 minutes. That's crazy. But what's funny, it really wasn't that, you know, you look at the yardage, it was almost even, and the Owls mm-hmm. held the ball for four, almost 40 minutes, almost two to one? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean... It doesn't make any two fit final final was two hundred fifty two yards to two hundred and seventeen. I just yeah. <laughs> I, this had all all the earmarks of a game that one team just didn't want to play and the other team had to play, but at the same time also didn't you know went into it kind of cautiously as well. It's also very get, possible too that the rain did play a factor, but I thought it would have you know pumped up the uh, the rushing yards a little bit more. But again, as we as I mentioned earlier. The line, the line's just hurting. Mm. So, I don't know. Okay, and it's yeah, they won. That's the main thing, right, dude? I mean, that's that, that's the main thing that they won. That that's what they had to do. I mean, it doesn't hurt Winnipeg at all. I don't think anyone's opinion of Winnipeg has changed ever so slightly. No. Uh, I mean, uh, but again, really, what it came down to was the Alouettes beat their taxi squad. But again, 
what they they had to win. They, if they wanted to have a, any chance of hosting the Eastern semifinal, they had to have won that game this past Saturday, and they didn't. So give them props for doing what they had to do. Yeah. Now, you mentioned it earlier, and we wanted to talk about it a little bit, is that, you know, about Trevor Harris, you know, he, he is the he's the $500,000 man, backup man, I well, was currently the starter, but... And I want people to know that it, yes, we're we're high on on VA and we're high on Matthew Schiltz, mm-hmm. but we're going to say it like it is. We, I mean, yes, uh, he's our starting quarterback now. But I, I, the first thing I told you after the game, you know, stats aside, that I, he, you know, he really did not impress me much. He really didn't. I, he did what he had to do. I say again. I said the stats are fine, mm-hmm. but to me, I, I he just he just didn't really impress me much. Again. I'm worried he's not mobile. That worries me. Um, again, I guess the plus is he didn't throw it. Not he didn't throw a pick, which is good. He didn't. No, I, you know, trying to find some positives, but uh, positives. But I mean, for me, I, I just don't know what it is about Trevor Harris that has not really impressed me that much over the past two weeks. Well, and I again, I, I take a look at what he did. Yes, he threw three touchdowns, which is great. But I think a lot of it has more to do with the receivers versus the quarterback because again a couple of like especially the two touchdowns to Gino yeah like Gino had to work for those like really work for those like to me I just felt like okay Harris kind of either underthrew or just didn't throw properly and Gino again had to twist his body into weird contortions just to be able to make the catch but all the people are going to remember is hey Trevor Harris threw two touchdowns to Gino Lewis like yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those yes, but situations. And again, I'm really don't want to harp on the guy, but he's also hold, still holding on to the ball way too long. As a result, taking a sack. As you said, he's not mobile. So I mean, if if you're not a mobile quarterback, you better get rid of the ball pretty freaking quick. As far as I'm concerned, like no this, AC this learned. Remember, everybody thought AC used to turtle, which he did. As much as we love AC, AC would turtle. But yet, I felt that he seems to be a little bit more. He, he he became a little bit more mobile as a quarterback later on in life and in, in his career, and just that's the you know you know he you know yes, obviously Harris is not a, a, a Chris Trevler. Harris is not hell. He's not Antonio Pipkin. We saw what he did last night. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's not that kind of quarterback, and it's it's still I find a very f- weird fit into this particular offense because again, you're you're still looking at a Kari Jones offense is definitely not meant for a pure pocket passer. Yeah. Like you're expected to be somewhat mobile. Like VA is absolutely a mortal mobile quarterback. Matthew Schiltz, for the most part, is a mobile quarterback. Trevor Harris is not a mobile quarterback. No. That's not a knock on him in that sense, no. but it just it's a weird fit for this particular offense. And as a result, you have to sort of tailor things a little bit to his strengths, which I'm still not seeing enough of that. It, it it's 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 a very weird dichotomy, if you will, mm-hmm. to to try and understand. And like again, I'm also trying to look for positives too. But like to me, really, what it came down to was like, regardless of the stats, regardless of everything else, yes, he got the win. Yes, he did what he had to do. But I just felt like, okay, well, almost any other quarterback could have had that kind of a game. And would you be showering him with all the praise that I seem to see other CFL types showering him with? Like, like I said, what what am, what am I not seeing here? And what are you not seeing either, Tim? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing. Like, we're we're both uh, we both seem to be in agreement that Trevor Harris is okay. He did a fine job this past Saturday, but let's be honest: a fine job isn't going to win the Grey Cup. A fine job is not going to win the Eastern Final. A fine job is not going to win the Eastern Semifinal. In fact, a fine job might win the game on Friday versus the Ottawa Redblacks, who are 
two and thirteen now, or sorry, uh, two and twelve, or or will be two and or could be or, or two and eleven. Sorry, yeah, two and eleven. So a fine job isn't going to win you a championship, and that's a big concern for me. Is when are we going to see? the real Trevor Harris or are we seeing the real Trevor Harris? Is, is this as good as it's going to get? And my, my also, my also concern is that yes, if he does well, the first thing is going to be, well, yeah, he beat the Winnipeg blue bombers practice squad. He beats the Ottawa red blacks who are just a terrible football team. When it comes time for the, the game, the Eastern semifinal, is he going to be that good court? Is that going to be, is his performance, his body of work, is that going to be good enough to beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats, regardless of where the game is going to be played? That's my concern right now. And, you know, I, I sincerely hope that all these people with their these CFL people with their blinders on who can only see the positive and good things about Trevor Harris. I hope they realize and understand that, because, quite frankly, you and I, we're just not seeing the same thing that these people are. Do you think it's I mean, may, many people may say that, you know, Harris seems to be a he's not a he's not a dink and dunk uh quarterback but very methodical which what because i mean we've seen him put up monster numbers before it's been a long time but yes we've seen that in the past yeah i mean that well that's what got him his big contract in edmonton i of would ima- i would imagine because you know, people need to remember too Ed- he wasn't Edmonton's quarterback in 2020 no he wasn't <laughs> no he wasn't so no, I, I mean he did he, as i said he had a, a great year in 2018 taking the ottawa red blocks to the gray cup didn't get the job done in the Grey Cup game, but okay, that that happens. Still put up some pretty decent numbers, which again, he was able to parlay that into a big contract with the Edmonton football team at the time. Had a great game. Had a great Eastern semifinal against the Alouettes and just basically carved them up like a surgeon. He did, yeah. He carved us up like a turkey. Yeah, big uh, time. I, I mean, that I would say that's, that was arguably the greatest game he's ever played was that particular game. But since then, what's he done to really warrant the kind of money that he's being paid no. and I, I struggled to find anything even remotely close to that but at the same time he's still again kudos to him he got he managed to get the contract signed and you know now the Alouette it's now up to the Alouettes to live up to that contract but uh at least through, through February <laughs> at least I mean like I said I, I I have a hard time believing that he'll still be an Alouette the day after the football season ends whether that's November 29th or December 13th. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that once once the, the, the 2021 season is completed for the Montreal Alouettes, I have a feeling he will be basically cut. Yeah. No, that's, I, that's, that's just the reality of it. I just, I, I, again, even if he has like an outstanding game, which we're still waiting for, we're still waiting for him to live up to his hype. Yeah. Like he's been okay, as I said. And okay is fine. If he's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, but he he's not making a hundred thousand hey, dollars a year. Dude, he's making it, considerably more. Dude, it could be worse. It could be like Arbuckle, like Arbuckle in Edmonton, who hasn't gotten on the field yet, and well, their current just... and their current starter. Well, he's now he was zero and six going into the game. Cornelius was zero and six going into the game last night. Sure, he well, they won by a. I don't know if I would call that a CFL score. Maybe the nineteen fifties, the forties, a CFL score. Maybe, but. <laughs> I would have thought our, you know, even the TSN panel was like, "What? Why isn't our buckle starting?" Anyways, yeah, I, it, there's, it, it, yeah, so many, so many weird things, and yeah, lots of questions still to be answered on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yes, he, he is our quarterback now. You know, Matt Schultz is practicing sparingly, as we are seeing on the practice on the uh, injury report, which is a which is a plus. 
Um, but obviously, it, it right the way it looks right now, it's going to be the same as it has been for the past two weeks. You know, Harris will start, and you know, yeah, and hopefully win. I mean, that's yeah. what he was brought in to do was be a winner. He was supposed to, again that that was that was the sale that was the sale to Alouette's Nation was that this guy is a winner. He was just in a bad situation in Edmonton, supposedly. Like, okay, can't deny that he was in a bad situation, but you know, and yes, he won his first game finally. But again, we I, maybe maybe it's just us. Maybe it's just we expect more out of us, our starting quarterbacks. Like maybe we're we're spoiled as far as having VA and having Matthew Schultz playing for us. That we we kind of have a certain expectation level when it comes to winning with this football team. Yeah. And Trevor Harris, okay, yeah, he, he played okay enough that first game in Winnipeg, but still lost. That he played okay enough against the B squad, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We hope he'll play okay enough against the Red Blacks and okay enough to win, but we're still waiting to be impressed is really what it comes down to. We're, we're, we're still waiting for this, you know, supposedly elite CFL quarterback to step up and show that he is that guy, that he is that guy that is worth the, the big contract that he, he currently has, whether or not that'll happen. We won't know until Friday night, but, uh, yeah. And, and I don't see, I don't see Schultz being the backup. I think they're going to, whatever it was, if, the, if, if it did cause that much problem the week before Harris started, you know, and he should, you know, and Harris came in in, in relief. Maybe it, you know it was worse than what what we were led to believe. But but still, it's good to see that he's back. But I, I don't think it's, it'll be Shea Patterson who's going to be our backup this week. Mm-hmm. And I got to give him some props too, Shea Patterson, because he he was he was in sparingly for like third down uh, short yardage gambles. Mm-hmm. He did a great job. Yeah, all things considered. Yeah. But- it's a very small, very very small sample size, but he got better with them. I think it only it was only one that I was really like, yeesh. But he and, made up for it. Yeah. No, and listen, I mean, I'd have absolutely no problem letting him play a couple series on Friday just just to see what's doing with him because mm-hmm. you know he had a, a very decent uh, college career. Can his game translate to the CFL? Possibly. You know, you won't know until you 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 know. I'd I'd like to see what 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 this guy can bring to the table if mm-hmm. anything if only it's just to you know once again have that sort of ace in the hole if you will like okay if god forbid something happens then Schiltzie can't go especially for the eastern semifinal yeah if something happens to harris then now you got shea patterson so is this guy the real deal is he you know is is he more than just a, a short yardage guy kind of guy only one way to find out and that's the really give him some reps. I and mean, that's, and for those who are saying again, that we're, we're just, you know, we're homers for, for VA and for Schultz. I just want to, I want to see a game where I'm at, where I'm impressed. I, I, I get, I understand. Yes. 144 yards. Yeah. He was very methodical. Three touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. But I, I just want to come away. First thing I say out of my mouth, to Cliffy is okay. Harris impressed me. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I would expect a quarterback who, makes the kind of money that Trevor Harris does to throw at least 144 yards and score three touchdowns in order to win a game for his football team in order to advance to the playoffs and even eventually host a playoff game. Mm -hmm. This is my point. I expect this from a starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be, I I need to, he's just barely doing that. That's our issue is that he's doing the bare minimum and everybody else is like applauding and wanting to give him a gold star and, Anoint him as the next Ricky Ray. Oh, like, I want a gold star. Well, who doesn't want a gold star? Uh, <laughs> those, those little sticky ones. 
Did you, did you, that you got a lick? Are those ones you're talking about? Are the ones that are Actually, already? Are, there, are, are, you, are you talking about the ones that are already pre-glued and they already have stick on them? Mm, no, I want the sticky ones. I want the ones from. Oh, no, I want the ones from elementary school. I want those where you got to lick them and put on. The, I want those. Like the, the gold foil and all that. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. All right. I can. I, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, they, they they mean more. <laughs> <laughs> Shinier. <laughs> um. Yeah, but again, we will give props where props are due. And I said, we're just, it's just something. I mean, it's better than what the Owls had where they went through umpteen quarterbacks in however many years. Oh, yeah. And okay. how many times, like, we've seen these uh, so-called great quarterbacks come in and are supposed to, you know, everybody and their mother expects them to dominate. And then they end up falling flat on their face. We've seen it so many times here in Montreal. It's, you know, like, that's why when you get a quarterback like a Vernon Ems and to a lesser extent a Matthew Schiltz, you're like, holy crap, is this what a quarterback is supposed to be? Yeah. This is great. Like, and again, we're not looking for the next AC. We will never find another Anthony Calvillo. And we don't want that. We want to find like a true superstar in the making, like a Vernon Adams, like what a Matthew Schultz can be, as, as he's shown with giving him the opportunity. Like, these are guys that we know, they know the system here in Montreal. They play to it extremely well, and it's designed for them. So, of course, they're going to succeed if given the opportunity. Trevor Harris, though, like I said, he's his reputation precedes him. And yes, when he when he's capable of winning, it's great. But you bring him in with all this hype, he's got to live up to it. And so far, it's he still hasn't quite done it yet. So I mean, I like I said, I guess we'll see what happens on Friday. But I mean, like, yeah, I think I need to see a really dominant performance. And even then, unfortunately, it's still going to have the asterisk of well, he played the Ottawa Red Blacks, who are two and eleven. Yeah. I mean that's the that's the the sad reality of it. But at at the end of the day, we still want to walk away from this game on Friday night with the confidence that okay, the Alouettes did everything possible they could in order to host that Eastern semifinal. And yes, they're still going to need help along the way to do so. But as long as the Alouettes live up to their side of the the bargain, so to speak, yeah. at least give us something. Give us something to work with, essentially. Exactly. Don't forget we're on social media, guys. Uh, if you've been following us long enough, if you know where we are, but we'll we'll, we'll tell you anyway, just in case if you happen to have forgotten. Uh, best place to hit it for us is to over at alwetsflightdeck.ca. Uh, has all the links for everything, including our merch store, which I, I, I a little birdie has told me to stay tuned because I think there's about to be a a a, a, a sale going on very soon. <gasps> Don't want to give it say say anymore. Um, also. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, especially Facebook too, by the way, our new Facebook page, which is at uh, facebook.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck Podcast. Uh, I think it's a little bit more interactive than what our other page was. We hope you guys uh, will join. Uh, I know I've asked many of my friends to, to join. Have you done the same yet, Cliff? Or are you planning on doing that soon? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we're hoping that each and every one that's listening too will check it out as well. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that... You know, you're, you're all on Facebook. Everybody, everybody and their mother's on Facebook, right? So, I mean, like, <laughs> come join the party. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, where the, the podcast is on many, many of the uh, uh, podcast platforms. All you got to really do is just search for Alouette's Flight Deck and then find it. And last but not least, Cliff, there's one more place you can find the podcast. That would be YouTube. Same idea. You just do a search for Alouette's Flight Deck and boom, there you go. You got interviews. You've got great analysis you've got us not on camera which is even better i think but <laughs> at, least, at least for me anyways but 
And but we will get to that point eventually. But uh, folks, by all means, uh, check out the YouTube page. Uh, leave a like, subscribe. I mean, definitely subscribe. Leave a like. Leave some commentary, good or bad, so that we can, you know, help provide an even better show for you all. And once again, please help us get to a hundred subscribers so we can do all the important things as well as I can't. I, I keep mentioning we got a really sweet giveaway happening. So by all means, subscribe so you can be a part of it. And Mm -hmm. I don't think you'll be sorry. No, I don't either. I don't either. Um, Let's talk about, you know, what the CFL announced today and uh, our thoughts on the uh, on the the team nominees for the East and West um, end of year uh, awards. Um, So the. Alouettes today trying to find it unless you know it off the top of your uh, top of your head here. Um, where where is it? <laughs> well, I mean, I got the press release in front of me, so if you oh, want to know you? which player, okay. if you want to know which players and positions and all that, I can. Okay. Oh no, here it is. I got it here. Um, so the Alouettes announced the following as our finalists uh, for the uh, Player of the Year uh, MOP. Uh, William Stanbeck, he was a unanimous selection. Uh, Mm -hmm. defensive, it was David Menard, Canadian David Menard, offensive lineman, uh, Landon Rice, special teams and rookie of the year, David Cote. Mm -hmm. Um, somebody mentioned this on social media already. I thought it was actually a pretty interesting comment. I'm curious to know what your thought is on who was chosen and who was not chosen, but you know, the Alouettes announced our year end awards and only four players are announced. Mm -hmm. And this, and this is not a bad, this is not a bad team in, in any shape or form. Uh, what are your thoughts on the selections? I'd say it's pretty much on par with what I was thinking as far as these uh, categories go. Uh, I remember we were kind of think- talking earlier in the year about uh, either Jake Winecki or Eugene Lewis as the most outstanding player. But, I mean, William Stanback, I mean, definitely was in the discussion as well. But, I mean, without question, mm-hmm. he has been the driving force for the Alouettes. I mean, his second 1,000-yard rushing season, leading the league in rushing. Yep. And – Again, barring something miraculous, I think he will secure the title of uh, the league leader, the the league's most you know prolific rushing, like most yeah, most poli- yeah, prolific he'll, running he'll, back. He'll lead the CFL in yards this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that on that one too. Yeah, absolutely. Even if he doesn't play on Friday, which again I don't see happening, but uh, I mean that's our guy. So without question, when you talk about most outstanding player for the Alouettes, when it's all said and done, yeah, it's definitely William Standback with, without. Without without question, mm-hmm. uh, David Menard, I absolutely expected to be up there. I mean, as far as the defensive player of the year, and how outstanding is this? He's only actually started one game this year. I was just about to mention that too. That's crazy, isn't that insane? And like, considering and he, where he is in the league leaders when it comes to sacks and and everything that he's done this year, he, it's well deserved that to be to be nominated as defensive player of the year. One hundred percent. I mean, I've I've been singing his praises now for the past couple of weeks, and it's just incredible the the work that he puts in and everything he's done like he has really truly blossomed here in montreal i mean he had an okay career out in bc uh finally came home as part of the uh the danny machocha mass signing of former carabines and at first as i said i freely admit at first i kind of rolled my eyes a little bit like okay obviously we know why he's here but my god he has really been outstanding like he has really made this defense sing it, it, it's incredible and the fact that he is not a starter it's just mind-blowing no, it, it is completely mind-blowing yeah. i mean you look at that you look at the defensive line which again was danny machocha's number one concern when he became the general manager of the alouettes and i have to say he, he did a absolutely outstanding job when 
when one of your backups is nominated for an award for being most outstanding defensive player. I mean, I think that just speaks to how strong a unit this is. And just also to making the most of your opportunities. That's exactly what David Menard has done. He has definitely made the most of his gameplay this year. And I, I can't picture this Elowitz defensive line without David Mar- Menard in it. It is just incredible the work that he's done and as far as i would hope by the way i would hope based on that one stat that you mentioned that was brought up on social that that i would hope would give him the head the the sort of the leg up on uh getting at least getting a defensive you know the 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 nod to get him into the finale you know the the last two i would hope but uh, you know well that's it i mean but listen, like he's 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 done it this year for sure, and you, you definitely gotta give him props. Like you think about all the incredible defensive players this Alouettes team has, and it's almost hard to pick just one that's been really outstanding. But like a lot of them have played extremely well. But yeah, when it comes to out, like outstanding, that would definitely be it. If you're talking about most valuable, because there's a big difference, like most valuable player versus most outstanding player, and that's really what it came down to for me was, okay, there's a lot of guys that I would look at this team and like, okay, they are definitely valuable. But how many of them have been truly outstanding? And to me, like David Monard has definitely proven that he is an outstanding football player. So this yeah. is definitely an award that is, or a nomination that is well-deserved. Yeah, I agree. When it comes to Canadian as well, like uh, most outstanding Canadian, that's a tough one because yeah, there's definitely quite a few guys that can stand up and say, okay, uh, this is definitely an outstanding Canadian-born player. Uh, besides Menard, besides even David Cote, who is also been outstanding as you can see with his other nominations uh chris Aki, also outstanding uh ty cranston playing extremely well uh this year uh gosh uh, i mean there's a, there's a lot of canadian board players that have really stepped up this year and like i, I wouldn't have been mad at either chris Aki or david menard being nominated most outstanding canadian so i'm i'm definitely i was surprised i figured one or like they'd both be nominated i figured both those guys would be nominated for defensive and Canadian. It's just who would get which one. And right. I don't think I would have been mad either way, but it ends up being Menard getting both most outstanding Canadian and most outstanding defensive player, which is incredible. Like I said, it just really speaks to the kind of year that he's had this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when you talk about the offensive lineman, uh, Landon Rice, I'm I'm not opposed to this decision at all because he's actually played every single game. Uh I think I would have gone with Sean Jamison initially, but then he got hurt. So I think that's kind of stopped his uh, momentum right there and then. Uh, Tony Washington, on the surface, too, he's definitely the most prolific member of the offensive line. But he's had injury issues as well and has has struggled here and there. But, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, the offensive line has definitely played well overall this year. They've had their ups and downs, but most of it's been due to injury. So I can't really fault them for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at the choice of Landon Rice. I mean, it, it's kind of funny to think about too. Like Landon Rice and Tony Washington were part of that Johnny Manziel trade, yeah, and are really truly the only ones left in this in this league that were a part of that uh, that trade. If you're not it, well, without counting the draft picks that ended up going to Hamilton, right, right, right. But like if you're talking about the actual players that were involved in that deal, Landon Rice and Tony Washington are truly the only ones that are still in the Canadian Football League, which is also kind of incredible when you sit and think about it yeah i agree and david cote i mean what what can't we say about this guy i know I mean, yeah coming from <laughs> coming from a, from you know Borspe, we didn't know what to expect for kicking this year um but you know i i think that him being in those two spots is really because you know we 
of the issues that we had at returner this year. But you know what? Not to take anything away from what he's done, I've been impressed. I think I am less scared <laughs> when he is on the field than I was with Bede sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's well deserved because I don't I don't think there could have been anybody else that it could have gone to for special teams or for rookie. Special teams. Because rookie, he was head and shoulders above all the other rookies, not putting them down. But I mean, he he truly has shined. And to me, it was like that that should have been unanimous as far as uh, that nomination goes for most outstanding rookie. There was, as far as I'm concerned, nobody else but David Cote could have could have had that for special teams. Yeah, I mean, definitely the if Mario Alford was healthy all year and playing the way he was, that would have no question that he would have gotten the nod. But Yeah, David Cote like has he's been doing the thing, and I, I, again, it's one of those those kind of situations where, once again, he's kind of head and shoulders above everybody else due to many factors. Like I said, the fact that there hasn't been a truly consistent returner since Alfred went down, I think that that was that was key right there. Um, I mean, long snapper too. I mean, Pierre Le Caron was once once he settled down was doing a decent enough job. And then Alexandre Gagne has now come in and he's also done a, a solid job, but same thing. It's just not necessarily outstanding, like good, but not outstanding. So right, right. overall you, you take a look at the body work that David Cote has done and yeah, for a rookie kicker that has been outstanding. So yeah, I, I think really, truly there's, there's no question that it should have been David Cote for both most outstanding rookie and yeah, now most outstanding special teams player. So I'd say for the most part, like, I'm not mad at this list at all. I, in fact, I'd say they pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Nobody else. You can't think of anybody that you might add. Or are you are you you're set that you, you don't think there's anybody else? Well, like I said, as far as like uh, the, the defensive players, I mean, a lot of guys were very good this year and some you could even argue were outstanding. But compared to David Menard, it, it, it's tough. I mean, like, that's why I'm not mad at the selection, but. I'm a little surprised I didn't go elsewhere with it, but I mean, that's about it. I mean, and as far as Canadian goes, I mean, like like with Cote, it kind of goes hand in hand. In fact, you could have all, you could also make the argument that Cote could be the most outstanding Canadian as well because he's a Canadian kicker as well. Yeah. So I mean, it's like I said, you can go any number of ways with this, but the more I look at this list, the more I'm I'm not mad at it at all. Right. But I, I think for the most part, they've pretty much nailed it i think it was right yeah. from start to from start to finish i, l- I look at this list and i'm like yeah 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 absolutely this 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 is how it should be now here's the question do any mm-hmm. of these do any of these players make it to the final two i think Stanbeck has a very very good chance of making it to the final two i think kote definitely should make it to the final two mm-hmm. uh for which one for kote i would say the rookie okay I'm trying to think of any other rookies in the East that have had as outstanding uh, a season as he has, and I'm honestly drawing a blank. Uh, yeah, I I think Kote and Stanback could easily be in that uh, fi- that you know they, they could be the Eastern representatives, if you will. Right. Uh, Menard, I got a feeling he's going to be beaten out by Simone Lawrence as far as defensive player goes. Okay. I, I think uh, just because Lawrence has been around longer and. He's the name that people re- is going to remember more than anything else. I, I, I'm ready to be shocked, though. If if and Menard certainly would be well worth being the the uh, the Eastern representative. But if I was to put money on it, I'd probably say Stanback and Cote for most outstanding player and 
I'll say most outstanding rookie. I, okay. I think those are the guys that you see in Hamilton for the CFL awards. Because just just to those who may not seen it, the other uh, the other players in the East that were chosen was Simone Lawrence from Hamilton, McLeod Bethel Thompson from Toronto, uh, Devontae Dedman from uh, Ottawa, and obviously within William Stanbeck from Montreal. Uh, yeah, it's wow. It, it, just the Stanbeck, Simone Lawrence one. I think they're higher than McLeod Bethel Thompson is. Uh, I think they're higher than him. That's interesting. Boris Bede for special teams for Toronto. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. So I think it's a little be more a, a little more fuel to be thrown on the fire for that one. I but, think it's uh, going to be a tough one between yeah, Simone Lawrence and and William Stanbeck. That's, that's going to be tough for 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 Eastern. Um, MOP player. Yeah, and the fact that Toronto thought highly enough of McLeod Bethel Thompson that they were they felt comfortable with their quarterback situation to trade Nick Arbuckle. That was their big acquisition at the start of the season or in or last off season. They felt comfortable enough to trade him away. I guess speaks volumes to the kind of work that uh, Macbeth has been able to do this year for the for the Argos. But but in my opinion, I don't think he's MOP caliber that's this it. Year, caliber this year. Yeah, it's, he's been very good, but not outstanding, I don't find. William Stanback has been outstanding. Simone Lawrence has been outstanding, and he's been outstanding for a while. Uh, Devontae Dedman, definitely outstanding for yeah. Ottawa, but... Wow, when was the last time Calgary didn't have Bo Levi as their player? <sighs> well, he has definitely not been outstanding this year. No, he I is mean, not. He's, he, he, he's done the job, and yeah, even when he got hurt, like can't come back, coming back from injury like he did, he's been fine. He's done a fine job, but... Not outstanding at all. No. I, I, good, but not outstanding. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, well, you, you, if you're going by this, the the letter of the law as far as what an outstanding football player is, yeah, that has not been bullied by Mitchell this year. Nope. Uh, the last thing that we want to talk about before we uh, talk about the the game coming up this Friday uh, is a story that was in the Gazette with the Alouette's president Mario Ciccini, and uh, it's. The title of it is Alouette's President Cheney has work cut out convincing fans to venture to Molson Stadium. We mentioned a couple of things at the beginning of the of the show about what we, you know, it really what it was a positive to have so many and I understand the reasoning to have their have the schedule the way that it was. But, you know, it took away from I think, you know, the one technical technically day game that we had. It technically was one only one day game, right? Technically. Um, so I think that didn't help. The weather really was not cooperative this year. And I really think, in all honesty, Cliff, we saw what the very first game was during the, during the summer and stuff like that, first couple of games, what we averaged. I honestly think, and they're not saying it, but I honestly think that the, co- that the, the obviously COVID, but the vaccine passport, I think, also played a huge impact on, yeah. the, on the crowd. I really, really do. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. Like you can say, like okay, you know, the Alouettes have only drawn eleven thousand, twelve thousand, thirteen thousand. I, I think their the biggest crowd this year was what seventeen thousand. Yeah, it was like the first or second game. Right, and and again, that may have been before the. I think yeah, that, it was, that was, I think that was the first game. That was the first game. Yeah, it was not affected by the COVID by the COVID passport. Right, the passport definitely, I'm sure, has played a factor because. Uh, again, I guess actually, to how many- actually, no. The first game they drew uh, 14753. Two home games later, the Thanksgiving Day game was uh, was fifteen two thirty six. So that was okay. the highest on the year was fifteen two thirty six. Okay, so sure, that's gonna that's gonna affect things. I mean, it, it, I guess it stands to reason that there's a lot of there's probably a lot of Alouettes fans that for whatever reason are not fully vaccinated and as a result won't won't be attending games, whether it's 
either they're not attending games because they're not vaccinated or they're not attending games because they don't feel comfortable being in an open air stadium with other people. Even though essentially if you're, if you're at an Alouettes game this year, it's because you're double vaxxed and you've got the proof that says so. Yeah. But there still are some people that still will not take that chance. And I don't fault them for it at all. It's, I, I think it's definitely affected things uh, because not every, like it definitely affects people attending last minute and Maybe a lot of the uh, fans that normally would travel to Alouette's games, maybe they don't feel like they're capable of doing so because of the passport, because of the restrictions that are in place, what have you. At the end of the day, I mean, if you want to see a football game bad enough, you're gonna you're gonna find a way. If you don't, you're gonna find an excuse. That you could say that about anything in life, really. But that's true. I, I think a lot of it, though, is the overall product that we've seen, and we've talked about this throughout the entire season is the, the home experience can be very good at times and very bad at times. And we've been very, I, I think fair with our criticism of it. Like we've come to expect a certain level when it comes to the Alouettes and the entertainment that they provide. Uh, the 2019 season without question was one of the most entertaining in almost a decade. And ever since then, the Alouettes have been trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. And I think for the most part have failed miserably in doing so. Uh, you can blame the crowds. You can blame the lack of people, like not being able to sell as many games. You can blame the restrictions. You can. Bl- There's a whole lot of things you can blame. And to the point where I am willing to give this year a mulligan as far as why haven't the Alouettes been able to pack the stadium as much as they can or as much as they should. But to me, I think a lot of it has to do with the overall presentation of things. And yeah, I, I think Mario Ciccini does have his work cut out for him because Again, the Alouettes have been making all the right moves, at least on paper, as far as appealing to all the Quebec people, as far as getting, you know, making this Quebec's football team. Right. Whether it's signing, you know, having a president who's bilingual, having a general manager who's bilingual, bringing in so many Quebec-born players that people know and, in theory, love, helping to develop the game at the university level. I mean... The Alouettes have done a lot to really prove that they are Quebec's football team in the same way that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are Saskatchewan's football team. The Alouettes have made a lot of inroads in that sense. And one would hope that, you know, investing all of that is going to pay off with fans flocking to the stadium. And it hasn't happened. Yes, I'm sure a big part of it is because of COVID and the restrictions in place, so on and so forth. But at the same time, if you want to support Quebec's football team, you still got to go to the stadium. Like the Alouettes have made the moves in order to appeal to Quebecers and they're still not showing up. So what more can be done? Yeah. And and it's true because I mean, people need to remember there were massive cuts when it came to staffing this year for the Alouettes. So, you know, they weren't able to do um, what they wanted to in the community. Obviously COVID was a, you know, the issue with COVID there too, but, but still, you know, when I, you know, I lost, you know, I lost my my season ticket manager, I think, and that's that's and, and I had my I had the, you know mine for the longest time, but recently I've had th- what three in the past four years, mm-hmm. which is concerning. But then again, the amount of the exodus from the Alouettes this year to me is concerning. You know, from the manager of uh, the boutique to um, uh, to the head of the cheerleaders, which were you know. Uh, eliminated and then brought back um i you know so it's things need things hopefully will change this off season you need to get football people in here who love this team love the game love this love the city and love the province and love the country 
you need to promote this as, as much as possible. Um, I, I agree. And I think that's where a lot of the problem is. I get the impression sometimes that, you know, the summer intern is running things when it comes to like the on-field or the off-field product or the yeah. in-game experience or anything. Like a lot of it is just sort of, you, you're kind of learning this as you go kind of thing. Like you can't operate a professional football team like that. No. Like yeah, even, I mean, got, yeah. Even when you lose your social media person, you know? And that's another thing too. Like it just, there's, there's, it really does feel like a lot of the stuff is copy paste. A lot of the stuff is Google translated because like, again, I understand you have to hire someone who's bilingual, someone who understands French and English. And obviously being Quebec, French is going to be more important. But let's not forget, this is the Canadian Football League. So you're also catering to the rest of Canada, who is predominantly English. So you got to have someone that is truly bilingual, not just write your tweets in French and then throw them in Google Translate and hope that the translation comes out. Because I'm sorry to say, but there's a lot of times where I've looked at some of the Twitter, uh, the tweets from the Alouette's Twitter account, and like it doesn't look good. Yeah, sometimes and, the words don't match up. Because I, I, I've talked to you about it, too, where I question, I was like, What? And, I, and yeah. I'm not, you know, and I'm not, I, I am not, you know, my French is still questionable. Um, but at least I, I'm able to, I know when something doesn't look right. You know, right. wh- whether I'm looking at it in French or whether I'm looking at it with the translation into English, I know, I know something's not right. All right. And again, like really, truly, too, hiring football people, like people that understand the sport, understand the traditions that go into it, understand the nuances that the Canadian game offers. I mean, there's there's a lot to it. So, I mean, it really does behoove the Alouettes to ensure that, you know, once things are getting better, once things are getting more back to normal, like I said, this year you almost have to write off as, okay, this is obviously not going to be – this is not the, the year you should be basing your your future off of. But when it comes down to, like, over, when you start thinking about the next couple of years down the road, making sure you have the right people in place in your organization. Like, people that truly are football people and understand the game of football and what it takes to become – a professional football franchise. Yeah. To me, that's key more than anything else. Whether or not they speak English or French, it, it, it's important, but at the same time, that shouldn't be your end all and hope that they like hire someone because they can speak French and English and then hope to turn them into football fans. It's a strategy that I don't think particularly works. I mean, there's a lot of very passionate people in Quebec who are bilingual and are huge football fans. Mm-hmm. Those are the people you should be targeting. Those are people you, you need to invite into the fold so to speak and make them a key element of this organization because that that passion that 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 excitement level they're the ones that are going to be able to spread it to other people and get them excited about going to alouette's football games and being a part of this 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 fun ride so to speak i mean being an alouette's fan is supposed to be a great experience because again we've got a very good football team here they're doing their thing on the field they're winning games. They're going to the playoffs. They could have their second straight winning season. Like this is a, a, a football team, quite frankly, that should be selling out Percival Molson Stadium, and they're not. I don't. Again, it's not because they're a so-so team on the on the field. And I, I'm, I want to believe that a lot of people are still watching football at home, and maybe that's where it you know, is. The numbers are showing that they are. That that's the funny thing. That the numbers are still showing that people are watching on TV, which is a, which is I'm happy with that. Yeah, and so that tells me like there there is definitely an appetite for football in Quebec, in Canada, and so on. Right, and it's just a matter of now how do you turn that into butts in the seats? Right, and and I agree. But I and for those of you who are saying, well, Cliff, uh, you know, Cliff, Tim, you, your season ticket holders, you're going to give them your money anyways. 
that may be the fact, but we still want to, we, you know, we get, we get the, the same, um, survey that everybody does after each game, mm-hmm. you know, our, our numbers stay the same, most likely for our answers, but we still want to have a good time. You know, we want to see the team succeed. We like to see ads in the Metro. We love to see, uh, you know, uh, spots on TV or in the newspaper or wherever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's we may be season ticket holders, but we still want to enjoy the time that we have there and be able to promote the team along uh, along with the team. Mm-hmm. Because you know, in essence, we are imba- we are ambassadors of the team. They're not paying us; we're paying to get in, but we're ambassadors for the team too, without question. But and there's I'll, only so I'll, much. I'll, but there's only so much Cliff and Tim can do. Right. And I'll mention this too. You and I have been to TD Place in Ottawa twice this year. Mm-hmm. And we've taken in that football experience. And for the most part, even though the team has not been great, they're still getting, you know, and again, they too have been sort of hampered with COVID restrictions and uh, vaccine passports and so on and so forth. But for the most part, like the, at least the two games that we went to, the fans were there. They were interactive. Yeah. They were they were made to be a part of the the spectacle so to speak they were dodging the rain also <laughs> yep <laughs> well at least that second game yeah but yeah, uh, yeah no for sure i mean like i mean ottawa gets it they they found a way to appeal to their market and get people interested in in the game and well, again that's with the, the question same, then, same, what what is oseg doing that the alouettes aren't well maybe that's that's the maybe that's the textbook that the alouettes should be learning from or What's going on out in Saskatchewan? By the way, if anybody doesn't know, OSEG is, I think it's Ontario Sports and Entertainment Group. It's the... Uh, Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. What did I say, Ontario? You said Ontario. Okay, yeah. So it's the group that owns the... Not not only the Red Blacks, but also owns... uh, The Ottawa 67s? Yeah, and Atletico? I... I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, feel free to add us, folks. I mean, if you... Yeah, please. But, uh, yeah, point is... This is a this is a, an ownership group that has, for the most part, listened to their fans and provided them with you know they've re- revitalized football in Ottawa. Like they've they made before COVID, they made Ottawa the the fun, cool place to go and watch a football game. Yeah, and it's a, and and it's, of, and it's different. It, it's a different experience. It's a great stadium. Mm-hmm. It's but it's a different it's a different atmosphere than Montreal. Mm-hmm. But they're doing something right. Yeah, and I again I know Toronto's having issues as well and. Again, they don't have to worry about the whole French-English thing. They they just need to put a product out there. But, yeah. I mean, they're having their woes, too. I mean, and again, same yeah. idea. They've got a very good football team, I mean, at least record-wise. I, you know what's funny? How – this really makes me think is, is when you look at the crowds that are currently being announced and showing up in Toronto or BMO versus what they were when they were, when they were at Skydome. Mm-hmm. What, what's the difference? Uh, the only thing that I can think of is what, how many tickets were given out. I, I think that's really that's what the it only came. Thing I can think of. Yeah, so. and again, they they've got some very loud, vocal fans in Toronto that are diehards and will follow this team no matter what, and that's great. You know, the, they too are ambassadors for their football club, but now you you still got to be able to fill fill the stadium. And to me, I, I think that's really what it comes down to is take take COVID out of the, the the instance. I mean, like I said, this year is a mulligan. It's going forward and making sure that you have what it takes to ensure that you can get people interested enough to buy season tickets or at least make the effort to attend as many games as possible and try to fill your stadium 
as much as possible. I mean, that's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of work ahead for everybody, including Mario Ciccini. Like to me though, it, it, it's, it's a sign of the times, I think in a lot of ways, but at the same time, the fans that are there, the ones that you know are going to be there, make sure you're engaging them as well and getting their perspective. And like yeah. I said, we, you and I have talked about this a number of times on the show as what the Alouettes need to be doing or what they should be doing as far as making sure that the in-game experience is second to none. Yeah. And really, truly, there's a lot of it's, it's a lot of little things, but it's the little things that eventually turn into big things and so on and so forth. To me, that like those are the things that really have to be paid attention to on a consistent basis. And it just goes from there. Yep. And our hope, by the way, in the next couple of weeks is to have Alouette's president, Mario Ciccini, on on the show again. Um, yeah, I think it's our, our goal now to try to have the president of the team on the show to finish off the season, just to find out what what did or what didn't happen in, in the previous, you know, the current season and what, what's they're looking forward to next. Because and if that's the case, folks, then and if you've got similar concerns to us, let us know so we can talk to him about it and we can be that voice for you. Because if there's a reason why you're not going to Alouette's games, it can't be because the team sucks, because quite frankly, they don't. This is a, a very good football team. And as far as I'm concerned, COVID or no COVID, this team should be selling out football games. Yeah. You put this team in any other market, and I think this would be, you know, a very hot ticket. Yeah, even COVID restrictions aside, I would, I would hope, I would hope fifteen thousand in the stadium. I would hope. I, I think that's a very attainable goal. Yeah. And if the Alouettes do end up hosting the Eastern semifinal, I think this team definitely should be at least at twenty thousand or close to twenty thousand okay. for the, for that game. It's let's let's get there first. <laughs> of course, of Let's course. I mean, like I, said, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but no, I'm just saying, no. if if that's the case, then there's there's as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason why, no good reason why that fans should not be able to attend that that Eastern semifinal game yep. if it happens. Now, speaking of the carpet and the horse, uh, the game on Friday, as I mentioned earlier, it's going to be the latest. It is going to be the latest home finale ever in Alouette's franchise history uh, to be played uh, when when it is played. Um, yeah. Interesting stat, I'm sure, and it, it was talked about at the beginning of the season too. It's like you know, oh well, the Alouettes play the Ottawa Red Bull, Ottawa three four times. Um, you know, this week will be, you know, it'll be the it will, they'll be playing Ottawa for the fourth time in a season, and the last time that it actually did happen was in 2013 versus Toronto. And I I don't I, you know I don't remember people bitching very much that we were playing Toronto four times that year. Um, you know that wow, 2013 was the last year that AC played. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Um, last time that we played Ottawa, by the way, four times in the same season was in 1980. That was also the last time prior to 2013 that we had played a team or teams four times in a season. Because uh, just a note, in 1980, we played Toronto and Ottawa four times that year. Oh. Yeah. And lastly, the, if it does come to this, is what, and this is what we're hoping for with Ottawa this week, is that the last four-game series sweep... Happened to be 1979 versus the Toronto Argonauts. Uh-huh. So, so we will find out tomorrow what the depth chart will be. Uh, we will see if there are any major changes. I wouldn't expect anything considering this is that this game is going to be, uh, it is a meaningful game. Uh, other than what we heard earlier by Herb Zerkowski, uh, where Tony Washington probably won't be playing, and, then, and our leading wide receiver, uh, Eugene Lewis, is, uh, is right now I don't want to say doubtful, but it's it's it, questionable. Know, yeah, it, he is questionable, but I, I want him to see him get to that thousand yards. But you know, we want him to be healthy, obviously. But any other major yep. changes beyond that, 
uh, we want to, you know, we, we want to be able to, we'll let you know and we'll, we'll post it to not only to our social, but also to Facebook, et cetera, like we have been over the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because yes, this is an important game, but at the same time, you don't want to necessarily keep everybody out there for too long either. So I, I definitely think there'll be some switches in the lineup. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't mind, if, especially if the Alouettes have a comfortable enough lead. I wouldn't mind seeing Shea Patterson get some reps as far as quarterback goes, just to see what what he can bring, mm-hmm. so to speak. Because I mean, it's good to see that Matthew Schultz is back practicing, which tells me that hopefully he might be available for the playoffs. But just in case not, uh, and God forbid something does happen to Trevor Harris. Yeah, same type of thing. I agree. You, you, you got to see what you got. And I, I think this would be the opportunity, especially too, if there's a, if it's a comfortable enough lead against Ottawa. I say let Shea Patterson play a couple of series. Just, yep. just see what it's like. Does, see what I it's mean, does, doesn't everybody remember the the day that, that uh, I think AC went down with a – I'm trying to remember what year it was. Uh, AC went down and they hosted the – was it the Eastern Final? And they lost with a backup quarterback. I'm trying to remember. Oh, name is this. Yeah, it was uh, Ted White. Thank you. Yes, Ted White. Um, 2004, I believe it was. Uh, Takuli, by the way, is off, off, off the sixth game. And he was full participation. By the way um, – I guess I'm going to be wrong about Mario Alford. Uh, I, he, I thought he was eligible to come off. I guess it's it's a lot worse than what what it actually. It's more than a six game. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, unfortunately. But that we'll seems see to be if he's played. If, we'll see if he's placed from six game. If he stays in the six game, or if he has moved to the one game, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Unless he, unless he's extended, which I haven't seen anything yet on the transaction report. No, there's still uh, still a lot of things. Uh, I'm also kind of hoping to, uh, yeah, if. William Stabek, let him let him play a little bit just to you know keep fresh, but at the same time too, maybe uh, you know I, I, I mean I, he's going to win the rushing title, so I mean like I yeah yeah, but and you think you think anything's going to change this week when it comes to punt returns and stuff like that? I mean Martise Jackson was just so so this week, but Darius Pickett basically handed when and we didn't touch on that at all, but he handed you know he basically handed Winnipeg the ball at, at kickoff. <laughs> You know what? I, you know, you've got Martise Jackson back there. I, you I don't really need Darius Pickett back there. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't uh, understand that either. I, but we do have some others that are on the roster that might be out that maybe the Alouettes will give a chance to. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, let's see when the death chart comes out. If we have any rookies who are going to be starting or possibly, possibly backing out, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can't treat this necessarily like a preseason game because, as you said, there are implications for the playoffs. Oh, huge, huge. But, uh, at the same time, too, you also don't want to risk anybody getting hurt either. It's it's a it's a very fine line that the Alouettes are walking with with this particular game because it doesn't mean anything for the Ottawa Red Blacks. It means a lot to us, but at the same time, you don't want your starters going in playing this technically nothing game, but still meaning something game. It, it's God, it's it's so tough. Oh, I it's know, so I know. It, I, and all I, I can I, think all I can think about too is. All the games that we lost by like one score, like the the close games that we lost by, I'm like, God, if only we could have gotten those games under our belt, and then we'd be hosting the Eastern Final. Because you, you think about it, if we could have turned at least two or of those games into wins, the Alouettes would be hosting the Eastern Final, full stop. Yeah. Instead of being in this situation, or and then we could be just resting everybody. But <laughs> it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, but you folks. know how I feel about those type of games. You, you know exactly because I feel like it's, it's like I'm paying paying for a preseason game. I agree, which I hate. No, without question. But yeah, like I said, this it, it's it's very interesting to see where we are right now as far as 
this being the last game of the regular season and knowing full well that the Alouettes will be playing the next week in a playoff game. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, everything say is fair, too. I mean, that's why I'm looking at the at very intently at the injury report. I mean, at least Cameron Artis pain, by the way, hamstring. He's back to full participation. Uh, Philip Gagnello did not participate. Taiwan Glass is, is a healthy scratch, full participation. Um, um, uh, Brian uh, Herlamana, uh, still ankle limited. Sean Jamison knee, but full participation. Uh, I'm expecting to see him back. And again, I, I have a feeling too, like he'll be back for the playoffs, in which yeah. case that would be a great help because as I said, like I think had he not gotten injured, he would have been the nominee for most outstanding oh, yeah, player, yeah. For, most outstanding lineman for the Alouettes. Yeah. Uh, Paul Kostruk, uh, hip, full participation. As, as I mentioned, Taku Lee already back, full participation. Here it is. Eugene Lewis, hip limited. David Menard, shoulder limited. Um, uh, Ronnie Randall, lower leg, full. Uh, Chris Schluger, back for this game, full, but he's been like that for a couple of weeks. Uh, I think it was like all that last week too, but... Here's the positive too. I said about Matthew Schultz. He had limited participation, but he with because of his knee. But at least he's back. Uh, mm-hmm. Wesley Sutton, healthy scratch, full participation. Uh, Michael Wakefield, healthy scratch, full participation. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, Tony Washington, calf did not participate, but has already been told. We've already been told by Herzogowski that Tony will not be playing this week. So there you go. So I mean, like, there's players that we'd like to see in the lineup, but I think a lot of it too is. Do we ease them in? Do we just wait for the game, the Eastern semifinal? I mean, it's. It, as I said, it's a very delicate line that you're straddling. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens on Friday. What the what the final result is of who is actually going to be playing in this game versus Ottawa. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Alouettes are favored by 14 points uh, <laughs> with an over under of 45. Uh, take take that for what it is. Considering the Edmonton Toronto game last night was a it was 42 points, I think, as an over under, and look how many points were scored. Yep, but this I think these are two different these are two different rosters. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the game's at seven thirty, and I'm still shaking my head as I have for the past couple of weeks. This is a seven thirty game on the nineteenth of November. <laughs> uh, I, I I I hope. I mean, I don't hate Friday games as much as I hate Thursday games. I would love to have a lot more Saturday games. I would love to. Well, especially this late in the year, too. Like a Saturday afternoon game would have been, definitely been a little more fan friendly, right? Even if fans aren't showing up, but. yeah. <laughs> hey, even Edmonton's lucky; they don't have to play in the snow after seeing Team Canada last night win. That was <laughs> that was still amazing. Oh, absolutely! I've never incredible. seen a snow celebration like that before. Absolutely mm-hmm. epic after their second goal. <laughs> I I've, I think the closest thing would have to be that 2014 Eastern semifinal where Tanner Marsh was doing uh, Snow Angels. Yes. I think that would be but, the closest. But, but no, nothing like seeing a Team Canada carp. That's what it looked like to me. It was like a carp going, going yeah, into the yeah. snow. It was hilarious. <laughs> if, if you don't know really what, what we're talking about, go back in on social media. You, 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 I don't think everybody has, every ha- has to have seen it by now. Has to. Oh, without question. And then without after, question. depending on the result for, uh, on Friday, which we hope is a positive, obviously, we have to wait till 4 p.m. on Saturday see what the result is between Saskatchewan and Hamilton. Yeah, and it's funny because um, Saskatchewan coach Craig Dickinson was pretty upset with his his squad, with the, the effort that was put forth. I mean, knowing full well that they could, they're going to be hosting uh, the Eastern semi, or the Western semifinal, sorry. At the same time, like, they didn't really put much of an effort into that game versus the Elks. And yeah. you know, a lot of people were wondering, well, 
does that mean they're going to be resting? You know, how many of their starters are actually going to be resting? And so far, we've seen. Well, we know for sure Cody Fajardo is not going to be playing quarterback for the for the Riders, and there's a couple of other scratches that were, or a couple of guys won't be going to Hamilton for that game. Oh, they already announced uh, Cody's not going to be playing. They already announced it. Yeah, so I guess we'll uh... see what happens. <laughs> well, and let's let's be honest. I mean, Cody Fajardo over the past couple of weeks has just been average. I'll say I, I think the rest of the team around him has been amazing, and that's why they've been as successful as they have been. But I mean, he's he's kind of like Trevor Harris in the sense that he's good, but not elite. He's being paid like an elite quarterback, but yeah, that, 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 this is where it frustrates me. As you're talking about the games earlier in the year, the ones that we could win, we wouldn't have to be in this situation. It would just be a win and in. Yeah, that's, see that that's 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 what's going to frustrate me about the most. I think about this game, the, the game on if we win, and then in the game on Saturday. Yeah. Anyways, can't anything about it. Well, control what you can control. And I think that's really what it has to come down to for the Alouettes is just show up on Friday, play your game like you're supposed to, get that W. At least that way you can say you've had a win- your second straight winning season, which is, I think, a, a great achievement in and of itself. And then just, you know, let the chips fall where they may as far yeah. as whether, you know, the Alouettes are going to host the, the Eastern semifinal or if they're going to hit the road and go to Hamilton for that. Exactly. So that's, it, that's all we can do. If you do go to the game on Friday, treat the you you know win or lose. Uh, I mean, obviously, you still want to treat this as the potentially the last Alouettes game of the twenty twenty one home game of the twenty twenty one season. So yeah, make uh, it a good one. Yeah, show up, dress warm because really chilly. Yes, <laughs> I can tell you right now it's going to be chilly. It's so. going to be chilly. Bring your woolies. Bring your toque. I know. Uh, you know. You know, make sure uh, the, you know, I hope the stadium people make sure they have plenty of hot coffee and hot chocolate because, yeah, it's going to be. Even though though they keep on advertising only coffee. Wait, what about us who don't drink coffee? Hey, come on. Uh, I see people with the hot chocolate. I know, but they only seem to be advertising just the coffee. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I digress. Hey, we we really appreciate you you guys for everything you've done over the season so far, and uh, we hope to continue, obviously, until up to the uh, season finale for the uh, sixth season of the Alouette's Flight Deck. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.